0: It can be a gift when we have some time and space to pause, to breathe, to be present in our bodies and pay attention to what we're feeling and what we really need. And we may not always have the luxury of that space as we move through life with all the other things that call for and maybe even demand our attention. fullness and busyness of our lives, you may not believe we have any attention left to give our bodies their needs, or that the needs of our bodies may get in the way of other things that matter to us. Welcome to Soma-ing, the podcast that explores how and why the capacity to pay attention to the experience in our bodies actually really matters and can support anything and everything that's important to us. I'm Dr. Twyla Kovalenko, movement facilitator, dancer, somatic educator, and coach, and I invite you to join me as I interview some amazing humans who share personal stories of how being able to pay attention to the experience in their bodies has made a real difference in what matters to them and where they share simple and practical ways you can pay more attention to your body throughout your day-to-day and support what matters to you. So today on the show, I'm really excited to welcome Vivek Patel, um, who has made time in his busy schedule to have a conversation today. And I'm really grateful and looking forward to this conversation um vivek is someone i i first met vivek was about 13 years ago now and the first way that i met you was um i had been posting something about a dance event in in online classifieds and discovered you're posting looking <laughs> for a dancers for a spiritual uh dance group that's or, right I don't know that disciples yeah. of dance I'm like, what is this even? Who is this person? And I was like, but I have to find out. Um, And that started, you know, a long relationship and friendship with you, Vivek, that I've been so grateful for that I've gotten to dance with you and get to know you as a friend and as a mentor. Um, Vivek is such a caring, authentic um, Creative human. Um, I'm wearing the earrings, one of the pairs of earrings that you made and That's awesome. generously gave me for a bir- my birthday one year. Um, and Vivek is, is, yeah, throughout our relationship has focused on so much creativity, so much contribution. And so we've shared a lot and danced a lot. And I've been really inspired by, uh, by a lot of what you do and especially about your approach to parenting and often hear your words in, in my head, you know, when I'm navigating with my son. So you've been really inspiring to me. And I think to a lot of people, and I know that's become a large focus, um, of what you've been doing the last couple of years. And so I'm excited to hear about how all the work you've done to be aware of the experience in your body and the practices you have feed into and connect to your work around parenting your own experience as a parent as well as what you've been offering others in terms of supporting them in the connection with their children
1: yeah thank you twyla thank you so much and i love that you remember disciples of dance um, I used to actually have disciplesofdance.com way back in the day. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And that was, you know, it was interesting because that was me jumping into choreographing way before I had any business doing so with no training or anything. You know, I was like, some so I just somebody said, But they do choreograph. I'm like, okay. And I I just and I just jumped in. And part of the reason that I did that, honestly, part of the reason that that I did that. Um, because it it took a lot of guts, because like I got a lot of criticism, and you know, like who is this guy? Um, but we ended up with a beautiful group, and we we gigged all over the city, and we, you know, I remember one time I was in line at a dance performance, and somebody and somebody said, "Oh, who are you?" I said, "Oh, my name is Vivek." They said, "Vivek Patel." I said, "Yeah." They said, "The choreographer," and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> somebody somebody recognized my name just in line." I felt like, okay, I made it, and uh, and but a large part of the reason that I did that was as the model I knew it was setting for my kid the model that i knew was because this is one of the things about the the parenting journey for me is that uh it's always a large part of it has been about being a conscious model modeling how i treat them modeling how i treat myself and then how i treat others in my environment right and uh and so like like you know feeling feeling a a sense of my my desire and my passion for that and taking a big risk and doing it you know and and being awkward and having lots of failures, and how did yeah. I deal with that? And then sharing those experiences with my kid, not only by her watching, but also by me actually sharing and telling the stories and expressing my life with with her. Um, she, you know, we learned so much together through that experience. And uh, and yeah, so like you know, like from from the beginning, the, I'm glad that you mentioned the parenting stuff because from the very beginning, my kid's going to be 25 in a month, less than a month now, and. Uh. Uh, and from the very beginning, my partner and I decided that we wanted to raise this little human in a way that was very different from how we were raised. And mm-hmm. so we decided to do things with no, uh, none of the traditional parental authority that usually comes with the parenting relationship, where parents make rules and boundaries and limits and give consequences and punishments and rewards and give allowance and... All that stuff that that happens. It was just normal life for most people. But for us, we were like, we want none of that. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so instead, we like jumped we jumped in uh, to the world of uh, honoring, first of all, honoring um, my kid's past and their uh, way of being in the world and their expression, and then also honoring their consent and autonomy as a person. And then looking deeply into how can we collaborate in a way that's nonviolent and non-coercive, and everything that we do brings us closer together. And a big part of that was really bonding with this little being on their on their learning path, right? And one of the biggest things kids are learning about from the moment they pop out is this container they find themselves in. <laughs> you know, how does it work? All of a sudden there's the senses are, are active and we're breathing and we're hungry and we feel discomfort and we have you know, all these needs. And then the, the thing moves around and there's all this input that happens and what does it all mean? And when kids are first born, you know, primarily, uh, they don't have labels for everything. You know, Everything is just what it is. It's, I call it pre-label consciousness. And same with the feelings and senses, uh, the, the whole sensorium of their body. And so for me, a large part of the parenting journey was was re-exploring my own body as my kid was exploring their body and doing that exploration together. So it was really a very conscious, part of the reasons I had, you know, years and years of martial arts experience. The dance came a little later, um, but but like that deep exploration uh, and honoring of the body and the experience of it was like a fundamental part of our, our co-exploration in those early days.
0: Yeah, I I love I love that you're talking about just that consciousness of it. I mean, we're born sensorial beings, fully connected to that that experience just as experience and as we cultivate okay. language, then we it starts we start to have give it meaning in a certain way and depending on what that frame is. And so what I'm hearing you share is that, you know, the frames that you were given by when you were, you know, the way that you were raised by your parents and culture of, you know, what that meaning was of questioning that and being really intentional about, well, what is like, you know, if we're born fully connected to our bodies and sensation, what, what is, what is the meaning? And so, I'm hearing that not only wanting to be really intentional with your daughter, there's also like an entire process of reformulating that for yourself intentionally, you Absolutely. know, probably, and probably I imagine, you know, really becoming clearer about all the ways that, you know, with unconsciously, you know, you were, or I was, um, had certain experiences of life framed senses of like meaning or why's why i mean Mm w-h-y-s the why things um to have to have more awareness about those and and make choice as opposed to just automatically perpetuate well that's what we did and that's my parents did and that was their parents did and we just automatically recreate yeah. Which is amazing that we have that capacity to, to recreate things and don't have to reinvent it every time. And yeah, that's one of the things I love about you. So much intentionality and consciousness and awareness. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it's funny, uh, Twilight. I just want to jump in and say that yeah. <laughs> every, time, every time you compliment me, my mind automatically reminds me of the opposite every single time even even in the intro I was going to mention it earlier but then then we went on with something else but even the intro you're so kind and authentic and why is my like oh she doesn't really know me oh yeah what about this what about when you did this what about this person you hurt? what about you know like the the recording that goes on in my head (laughs) <laughs> and it's not only in my head right that that's part of the point of this is that my head doesn't exist separate from my body separate from my nervous system separate from my emotional system and if you're into that sort of thing separate from my consciousness and my spiritual uh experience you know and i always say if you're into that sort of thing because the philosophy of uh you know relating as humans in a deep way doesn't mean you have to have a spiritual view. You can be an atheist and still totally do it. Like a quarter of the people I work with are atheists. It's not a spiritual thing, but I always add if you're into that sort of thing, because I am. And, uh, but like, I call it, I call it a whole, like each person is a holistic ecosystem. We're, so uh, all the parts are are dependent on uh, all are interdependent on all the other parts but all relationships are also a holistic ecosystem we don't really end where our skin ends you know we're much more deeply influenced and influencing each other in every system that we engage in this is why people who see us more like billiard balls where we're just bouncing off each other not really affecting each other miss a whole lot of the iceberg of who humanity is and what relationships uh, what's really going on in relationships you know there's so much depth uh, and complexity to it and so for me noticing that mind body emotions consciousness uh seeing it from a systems perspective even though i didn't have those words for it 25 years ago but seeing it from that perspective it really showed me how uh, how important the whole uh, the whole focusing on all the different aspects was, and and I, because it's like it's like focusing on them separately in an attempt to find their integration and unity, or to explore the integration and unity. So my mind and my body, and my emotions and my consciousness, and my nervous system and my senses and my neurology and all the different parts of me. I look at each of them separately, but also, like I said, like I'm trying to find what's where where they're connected like the root like the 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 trunk of the tree connecting all the roots I mean all the branches and all the roots actually and same for Mm -hmm. my kids you know like when we do these all these explorations are mutual one of the things about being a guide for me as uh, as a parent um, and I always think when I talk about parenting I talk about three main relationships Uh, the relationships are model guide and friend and Mm -hmm. so we're their model like I mentioned before we're their guide and we're also their friend which is the human relationship of enjoying each other. And and yet all three of those are mutual. Friendship is mutual. The guiding relationship is mutual. I mean, my kid has so much wisdom. Of course, I want to learn from from their wisdom. And I have stuff to share as well. Um, So I'd love to share that with you. And then you share with me. And then we have this wonderful exchange. It's not a a top-down thing, you know. The whole top-down hierarchical uh, um, relationship in parenting is so damaging and destroys connection and you know that's why we have the trope of the teenager who uh, the the, you know the early teenager that rolls their eyes and the teenager who goes and hangs with their friends and never wants to be home and leaves the house as soon as they can because it's it's not their safe space and uh, and so for me like part of that integration was recognizing how we impacted each other everything that I do impacts my kid's nervous system, impacts their uh, under, relationship with themselves and their body and their mind and their sense of themselves. Mm. And so, and so, and including how I treat myself. And so the whole, seeing the whole thing as an ecosystem means, um, means I'm much more conscious and intentional about my impact. Mm. It also means I try and notice those scripts in my head where I'm, I'm coming down on myself like I do, you know, so that I can love myself through it because I don't want to just ignore them or repress them. Um, It's all connected.
0: And I'm just, that's one thing I'm appreciating about you and your authenticity and invitation for me and for others to be human, you know, as much as, you know, I'm reflecting the ways that you're conscious and there's so many wonderful qualities and you know, as humans, there's also ways that you're not conscious. or so the ways that I'm, you know, so many, you know, and that's part of being fully human. And that's also part of our embodiment, you know, of connecting and disconnecting and awareness and unaware and having that, the variety of experience and, and um, being okay with all of it. There was one thing that I Um, where I wanted to go from what you said. I mean, there's so much that I get excited and want to jump off of. And there's something though that I'm, so this, when you commented about, you know, this, I think you said trope, but this expectation we have when our children reach adolescence, then they rebel. And there's an expectation that that's the norm. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. And um, so I kind of want to, I kind of want to focus on that. And I'd love for you to share what your experience was as, you know, with your relationship with your child as, um, as they were going through adolescence. And, and then we'll connect that back to, or maybe while you're talking about it, if there's ways that your awareness of the experience in your body and connection, your embodied connection with, with your child impacted that. And and first, though, just starting about, you know, that, you know, opening our audience up to the possibility that that isn't necessarily a given.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to talk about that because it's so pivotal and it actually is the integration of the body is such an important part of it, because a lot of it is how kids respond to uh, how we respond to them. So much of it is that and so much of how we respond to them isn't responding, it's reacting. And reaction is often wired into our nervous system before we had any choice in the matter. You know, so many of the patterns that are wired into our nervous system and into our neuron system, uh, were mm-hmm. imposed, not chose. That's what am I saying? Is it imposed or chose? And we, uh, and we, I ask myself that about my own values and my own thoughts. Oh, Fake. You think this was was is that imposed or chose? Is it aligned with the values? Well, what about the value? Is that imposed or chose? Like it's a constant lifetime of asking myself that. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, my kid has to ask themselves that a lot less because one of our main uh, focuses uh, was to not impose. Now, of course, we do impose anyways. But if you put if you make the uh, the uh, effort to not impose your values on your kid. Um, then, what they do is they discover their values through their own life experience, which you can still guide them through. Uh, and then those values become theirs rather than from the from the outside uh, in they, they go from the inside out. So, you know that whole thing I mentioned in the beginning about uh, parenting through collaboration rather than control, the reason that the reason that kids pull away and uh, and rebel is because there's something to pull away and rebel. F- against, right? If there's nothing to rebel against, then there's nothing to rebel against, literally. And the problem is we think of guidance because of the mindset that's been handed down to us through our generations of our own families and our culture and a really global, you know, thousands of years of coercive global history and hierarchical structures that we've been subjected to. We just think it's normal that guidance means control, authority, coercion, and pain. And if you don't tell them it's wrong, and you don't give them a consequence, how are they going to know it's wrong? But most of the really good people that I know and that I love, present company included, aren't out there, uh, you know, guiding their life by fear of consequences, for the most part. We're guiding our lives by the kind of people we want to be and the impact we want to have on relationships and what we really value. And a lot of us, you know, especially when we hit, uh, you know, late 20s and into our mid 30s, start to realize a lot of the things we think aren't ours. They are imposed. Well, who am I? When I go to, when I go to, when I do workshops, I do a lot of workshops with parents. And when I do workshops, I say, who here is on a self-development journey? And everyone pretty much puts up their hands. Uh, maybe a couple of surly people in the back don't put up their hand, but pretty much everybody puts up their hand. I say now, who here as part of that journey is reclaiming yourself and reclaiming your own belief in yourself and reclaiming your own sense of, of what you, what you know to be true. And everybody's hands go up even higher. I say, so let's make it so our kids don't have to reclaim that, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, and so, you know, guidance can be something that's beautiful, that feels good to the nervous system rather than something that. You know, I mean, we all, if you remember what it's like to be a kid, you have to protect yourself from your parents because you never know when the punishment's coming or when you're and maybe you're in alignment with their expectations. Maybe you're not. and Maybe your impulse control is stronger than your desire for it and you can't help it. And then you get in trouble and you know you're going to get in trouble. So there's this whole layer of protection and shield that goes up around us, not only in our thoughts, because that's why the words aren't enough, right? Because we're impacting something that's physical. And so yeah. a, phys- a physical impact requires a physical solution, for sure, Your words are not going to do it. So this is why um, we can create a relationship with our kids where they feel safe, they feel seen, they feel like when we guide them, it makes their lives better. They feel it makes their lives better. We may know it makes their lives better, but if they don't feel it, they're going to turn away. And so if this is our focus, and I call it having a priority of uh, relationship first. So if we preserve mm. the relationship, a relationship of connection and safety and, uh, and we do that and our guidance feels good to them. It feels trustable to them. Then when your kid is, you know 16 and and, in, and going through struggles, they're not going to turn away from you, they're going to turn towards you. And isn't that what we want? you know? Mm. I used to call it, I used to call it drunk driver parenting where I would imagine, I, and I had this image when my kid was born, literally the day she popped out and I, and I looked into those eyes and this image came to me, that, that they're, six, they're 16, they snuck out, they went to a party, everyone's doing drugs and drinking and having sex in the bedrooms and loud music and the police show up and everybody skelter, uh, runs helter-skelter and the only way she can get home is with a drunk driver and without mm-hmm. any hesitation she calls me, dad come get me. And she knows i It's going to be a, a, a safe and connecting experience, and is never going to feel. I, that's why I call it junk driver parenting. And 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 every decision mm-hmm. I made, even when she was two, I was planning for that phone call. You know, and uh, and so uh, and th- and this is why. And so turning it around to my own physicality, knowing my own reactions from my trauma, from my patterns in my nervous system were wired that way, means I had some responsibility to shift those patterns so that they I didn't dump them on my kid. But I also didn't want to be repressing because repressing just builds like a like a um, you know, like a steamer that eventually it explodes, um, a pressure cooker. Uh, and I didn't want that either. So I always say no projection and no repression. Don't project on your kids, but don't repress. We still have to have tools and some capacity to deal with the with the pressure when it builds up. And in my work with parenting, with parents, because I, I coach a whole lot of parents, so in my work with parents, as well as my own personal work, working that stuff through our bodies, as well as the thinking, as well as the feeling, all of those things together um, are, so, are such important tools uh, uh, to work with on a regular basis, because it helps in our longevity and our, uh, our stability and our resilience as parents.
0: Yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing all that, especially when you described this drunk driver scenario and got to the moment where your child called you. My whole body just lit up and tingled. There was like this relief. There was there was just so much that arose in my experience in that moment of your sharing, and um, and I would love to invite you because there's such like this. I love your philosophy. I love, you know, that the, you know, as we're sitting here talking about it, it's easier to be like, oh, yes, it's all connected and we can be mindful. And what I would really love to hear is some real life examples from your life about when you're really in it and things are, you know, when things come up and those patterns or projections or whatever. So, what, so if you could, um, you can think of any, Example: Recent or not even recent could have been when your your child was an adolescent or younger of, 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 of how you worked through that with your body, with your tools, um, with your humanness.
1: Sure, that's wonderful, and uh, and you know it's interesting because in the early days, my kid was born in '97. A lot of a lot of what I was doing was just exploring on my own. Like I didn't really have a, a mentor at the time that specifically about parenting um, I didn't know when I knew was parenting in this way you know uh, everyone I asked for um, support would just suggest boundaries and limits and control and consequences and that kind of stuff and it's just not where we were what we were doing um, mm-hmm. and so my a lot of what I did in the early days has evolved um, but some of it hasn't evolved. Some of it was like exactly what I teach now. So <laughs> I'll share I'll share that I'll share a bit of a range of that. So for in those early days, I noticed that I had a real tendency to yell. This is one thing. I would yell a lot. And I would speak harshly to my kid a lot. And it was something I would notice, and I every single time, I would see the trust in us diminish. And I would feel the impact on my kid's nervous system. Uh, on how they feel about me, and I could feel the impact on me. So, one of the things, uh, and a, lo- a lot of the time, we, for our own, for our own self-protection from the pain of it, we avoid looking at the impact in our kids when we do that. You know, uh, for me, I would let myself really see the impact because I was like, "Nah, I'm not going to ignore that. I want to feel it." But of course, in order to feel the impact of hurting my kid. Without going into the depths of despair myself and guilt and shame, um, I had to be working on self-compassion practice. As you can see there's like many different things. So first first of all, when I would feel like I would want to yell in the early days, one of my, pra- one of my practices was I, just call, I would just call it run. And I would run from the room, even if it was in the middle of a sentence. Even if I was, as soon as I noticed the urge to yell would come, I would run. I would run into my bedroom and I would scream into my pillow. And uh, and I would really release a lot of my tension that way. And sometimes my kid would cry because I would suddenly disappear. But I knew that the pain that they were going to experience from me yelling was going to be way worse than a minute of me screaming into my pillow and coming back. Um, mm. I would also go into the bathroom and uh, run cold water over my head. Um, sometimes I would uh, pound, not only just screaming, but pounding on the pillow or throw myself on the body and shake my whole body around just to release that the uh, intensity of um, of the energy that I built up, you know, because I wanted to, didn't want to repress it. I couldn't repress it sometimes, but I knew that if I directed it consciously, at least I was minimizing the damage. And a lot of my early, a lot of the early days of parenting, honestly, is minimizing damage. Twilight, it's not doing wonderful, great, amazing spiritual things. It's really just minimizing damage for like three or four years until you figure things out. And then you can, get, you can kind of get more of a handle on yourself. <laughs> and this is me talking with a radical uh, viewpoint right with a radical philosophy and everything but it, but if you take the complexity of what we have to deal with in our lives the uh the you know the the um the oppression that we faced if we have any kind of marginalization in our life if we're people of color or we have financial marginalization or
0: oops,
1: hang on. sorry if we have financial marginalization hang on, let me see that again i just dropped my notes If we have any kind of marginalization in our lives if we're people of color or if we're disabled or um, lgbtq or um you know uh, mental if you have mental health issues uh, or we just have no resources and support like every one of those things makes it harder and harder and harder for us to do this work you know because it's really yeah. deep work to always be looking at ourselves and uh and yet you know there are ways of using of existing with with zero resources and still using our creative imagination and our incredible creative capacity as humans to find ways to do uh, to do it. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. So screaming and running you know, running is w- was was one. But that scream that scream the reason it was happening was I re- realized over time I had let the pressure build to the point where I needed the screen, Right? There are these videos on YouTube where uh, where people are, uh, they take a watermelon and they put an elastic band around it, and nothing happens, of course, because the watermelon is very strong. But then they put 100 and 200 and 300 and 400 elastic bands on this watermelon, and one last elastic band and the whole thing explodes because the pressure is too much. Mm. And our systems are very much like that emotional, physical, or nervous system very much like that. We ignore those elastic bands until they build. Yeah. So elastic band management is another thing that I practice a lot and we work on with the parents a lot, is that instead of ignoring all the little elastic bands throughout the day, both in us and our kids, we can do micro releases of those things when they come up. So when, so when I have a frustration, even if something as small as like not being able to open a jar and it slips and I bruise, I bruise my hand a little or something like that, I don't ignore it. I don't, I don't just go on to the next thing. I'll stop. And I acknowledge even just that, I feel like a failure. Like, let me tell you, it's wired deep in there, right? So the more I, the deeper I can access those things. And I breathe the failure out. I breathe some love into my inner child. I give some love to the spot that I got hurt. And then I move on, right? And that extra few seconds helps with the elastic band throughout the day. Sometimes it's a mini scream. It's like, ah, because I'm just frustrated. Sometimes it's leaning on the counter and just taking some deep breaths and really feeling the ground under my feet. So it depends on is is do I have a moment to do that or am I in like emergency tongue biting moment, you know, like it depends on which of those it is is it over text do I have time to go meditate and, and you know, do some jumping jacks to like <laughs> to get the energy out. Or, you know, so like it really depends on the situation. Um, sometimes it really is just survival in the moment and we get through it and we minimize the damage. Yeah. Um, but then the practice that we do outside of those moments helps us have more capacity in those moments, you know, so. I remember this one time my kid had left the juice jug out and uh and it was full of fruit flies <laughs> I was like I immediately got tense and annoyed it wasn't the first time we had talked about fruit flies and you can hear the tent, the you can already hear the judgmental tone in my voice even as I'm saying it now right and I knew at that moment she was actually sitting right here where I am now and I was in the kitchen over there uh, but this is like 2015 this happened and and when I, and I remember that moment, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew if I went out with this vibration in my nervous system, if in my body and in my, and my emotions, because I don't separate those things so much when I think about myself, when I talk, it's kind of helpful too, but when I think about myself, feel into myself, there's less of a separation now, after 30 years of practice. Um, so, uh, but, but in that moment, I knew if I walked out here, even before I said anything, she was going to close up. I knew it. And I'm too. Selfishly protective of the guide relationship to want to put that selfishly hmm. protective of the guide relationship. I wanted to add the selfishly emphasize the selfishly because um, it's for me. It's my it's hugely to my benefit to keep that channel open, you know, of of guidance and influence with my kid. So I knew if I came out, the closing was going to happen. It was going to work against me, and I was not going to get my needs met. So. I leaned against the counter. I did exactly that one. I leaned against the counter. I gripped the counter really hard at first, breathed into that grip. Then I relaxed. I felt the ground under my feet, felt the sky above my head. Um, I do it. I also do a tr- uh, meditations with parents, and one of them is um, is a tree meditation where we, we the branches reach out into the sky and the roots go down into the earth. And the trunk is the thing that connects. Yeah. And uh, and so I did something like that, even though I didn't have that at that, at that point exact uh, analogy. And then I switched my mindset into one of connection and play and curiosity and wonder. And I came out and I came out uh, around the corner and I came out like kind of sneaking around the corner. And I went, hey, kiddo, do you know what? There's something about our family I've never told you before. She's like what I said. We come from a long line of assassins. Now we're already ninjas, right? So I, 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 I've been doing. Uh, I, I grew uh, raised her as a ninja from the very beginning. Yeah. Um She grew. So this this fit in with with things that she enjoys. But if your kid enjoys something else, or you have something else that's fun, between you use something else. But this is what I did. I went in, and I, and I snuck up to her like I was a, like I was an ninja. We're assassins, but not just any assassins. We're called the fruit fly assassins and then she started laughing i said i said many generations ago our compound was attacked by a roving gang of fruit flies and we swore to annihilate everyone ever since then and we and she's laughing She said are you just making this up now i said i am she goes we should make a movie and we started designing uh we started creating the movie and the graphic novel and all the advertising and she knew from all of that what i was asking her you know, I mentioned, in passing, I mentioned things like leaving the fruit, the juice jug out and the fruit out and gives them access to our compound. And so I made the whole thing fun. And it was, and it was, but it was not just the words, like I acted it out, I got her involved in it, our whole beings became involved in the sense of play, which I could never have achieved if I didn't have some practice in tuning in and listening to my body. So I could tell um, where I was at, so I could make the shift, you know, so it's like a it's a huge, huge thing to be aware of the signals in our, in our body, mind, emotional system so that we can play with them and, and shift them to things that are much more effective and in, in connecting as parents.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that story. And, um, and for sharing some of, I think, I think you call them micro practices. Is that what you use it in your work, right? You know, yeah. these, these little ways in our day to day, which is, you know, a really big focus of this show about how our somatic awareness, you know, how, how critical it is for the things that matter to us and how. The, the simple ways and the ways throughout our lives um, you know how we can all access that and when you were speaking about all the different ways you know of the, our levels of privilege and you know if somebody just heard your story about how you know you just shifted into play with your child you know that can seem like a really big leap like I know when I'm in over overwhelmed with with emotional, Um, with something that's coming up for me, emotional, sometimes that feels really inaccessible. And so I'd love to hear, I know you shared some of those, some of those ways, some of those micro practices um, of, of how you cultivate more and more of that awareness, how you reprogram, I guess, you know, your own embodied experience, how you do that. Self compassion and and care for what matters for you. I mean, in this conversation, we're talking about parenting, and this can show up, you know, in in any situation where you know, with a colleague or a spouse or whatever, where um, where something that you know a really strong response to something or reaction to something. If we follow that without awareness, anyways, I just said a lot of things, so I think I'm, i I want to. Maybe back up, I, or I don't know if it was clear. clear the, I'm I'm clear. Context. I feel very clear. Maybe you're right. yeah yeah yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, yeah I guess, I'm good. Yeah, about about that. I guess I guess I I want to highlight. You know how how this can be accessible like it can be like sure sounds great vivek but somehow you were self-aware enough when you first had your child that you just wanted to throw out your parenting out the window and do something brand new and seem to somehow be resourced enough to just make up this whole way of parenting on your own like how could i do that you know that you know what what are the real practical ways that 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 we actually can do that you know that work for our differing situations our differing levels of privilege that sure it'd be great for you know i'm sure it'd be great for all of us if we go take you know a week-long meditation retreat and all the you know and and nourish our bodies and we we have like those different things that we do and don't have access to so how do we attend to our bodies in our lives in ways that that can work
1: yeah for sure First, I'll point out that when I mentioned my strategy in the first couple of years, it was running from the room in the middle of about to scream at my kid and screaming into my pillow. <clears throat> and then 18 years later, I told a different story from 18 years later, where I was able to lean against the counter and grip the counter and, and breathe through. So there's an 18-year gap in those two stories that's very yeah. significant. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is one of the things that's so important is having a process mindset a learning mindset right we're always in process i mean even 18 years later i still had to m- work the wrongness out of my system that's a long time to be practicing and still and you think oh by then vivek wouldn't have to go through that but i still had to go through that or i was going to come out here and and you know be a doofus to my kid and it wasn't going to be a pretty scene um, even after that long. So I think that's, that's really important to, to recognize because we are, all, like, even myself, like when I look back at videos of myself, Twilight, and I've been doing this recently, and I even, wrote, I even uh, went live on Instagram recently and talked about this because I saw this video of when I was interacting with my kid when, I, when, when she was five. And I cringed at the way I was talking to her the whole time. I was like, oh, my gosh, Vivek, if you saw you now, you would be so critical. And <laughs> I'd be like, why is that person talking to their kid that way? That's so disrespectful. You should, you should never talk to anybody that way. That's how I would say it now. But listening to myself, I was like, <gasps> and and yet I was like the most radically ex- Respectful person, I knew to kids. Everybody had that. I mean, I was just known that way. You know, kids would like. Even now, kids, kids like. Um, well, actually, even now, I'm better at it now. But kids like follow over themselves to like, trust my guidance and follow me, and you know, offer their trust to me. In those days too, but I was horrified at listening to myself. So, really understanding that if I compared myself then to who I am now, it would make no sense. I I would never even try. So the comparison mindset is so problematic. You know, we all are where we are because we've got here by through the process of our lives. This moment that you're at is where you're at. And to, you know, to really come down on ourselves for that really sucks. And so one of the things that we can practice, and this goes back to the self-compassion practice that I talked about before. um, Self-compassion practice is probably 60% of what I teach to parents. It's not about how to get your kids to brush their teeth. The self-compassion practice leads to that amazingly, believe it or not. Um, So the self-compassion practice allows us to be able to do that kind of work. First of all, because we are uh, accepting our imperfections is so important. Like one of my one-liners is um, relationships aren't about being perfect. They're about being imperfect together. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we can really feel that with ourselves and our kids, we can give ourselves a lot of grace for our own learning process. So first of all, Recognize that if you are screaming right now or if you are yelling at your kids right now, yes, you don't want to do that. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already turned it off, you probably don't want to yell at your kids. And, uh, and so that's great. You know, just knowing that that comes from a place of deep love and honoring them. That comes from a place of wanting to deeply humanize them and humanize yourself and humanize your own uh, childhood memories that didn't get humanized. You know, just the other day, I had this memory come back to me. Um, and I'm not going to go into the whole story because I told the whole story on my Facebook page. But I had this uh, where I went live. Um, but I had this memory. I had this memory come back to me of this time where my dad treated me really terribly um, when I was young. And in and I and I went through this whole process of seeing it. Um, and then as I. As little Vivek was feeling so upset, adult Vivek jumped into the scene and started yelling at my dad and telling him to get out of the room and all the other people that were there. There was other people there. And I shut the door and I went back and I gave little Vivek a hug. And I was like, you're safe with me now, little one. You're safe. And and then I turned into little Vivek, receiving big Vivek's hug and I, relaxed my system and I felt myself I didn't even know what would it feel safe to like to be safe as a child I didn't even know that I had to kind of make it up (laughs) so that I'm making up what does it feel like to be safe as a child you know I mean my kid thankfully largely knows that experience but I I didn't most of the time so then I'm like I'm like well what would it be like for little Vivek to be safe and I was weeping trying to feel that you know and um And so, and this is just like a week ago. (laughs) I've been doing this work for 30 years. Okay. And so, um, so micro practices, one of the reasons I love micro practices, is because they don't take a lot of time. They don't take a lot of extra energy, a little bit, but not a lot of extra energy, what they do take. And this is the thing, what they do take is one of the first things is believing that we're worth it. And this is one of the the why the self-compassion practice is so important, because even if you have all the tools in the world, you don't believe you're worth it, you're not going to use them, right? So knowing that we really are worth it, and and our kids too, you know. But of course, with our kids it's easier, but with ourselves knowing that we're worth it is is really hard. So yeah, let me share that. Let me share that first and ask you for reflection before I go on to the actual micro practices, because I have a few that I want to share. But I'm curious if you have any reflections about that whole. aspect of it
0: about feeling worth it yeah but specifically yeah you know it was it was interesting because when you said that I started going into my own experience the experience of my partner and just you know and, and I started just going into my own personal reflection of you know sometimes I can feel like i have such an overflowing toolkit and I'm not making use of them or and then so I had a. I, I, a question for myself that arose from, from you sharing. I'm like, Hmm, you know, is that, is that part of why I don't always use the resources that I have? Um, so there was a, it definitely, it definitely prompted me to, uh, to start, to start considering that. And, uh, and it, it, like there's a part of me that that feels really true. Mm. In, in you saying that, Yeah, of course. So, um, so I'm just on a personal level, appreciating, you know, that articulation.
1: Yeah, thank you. And, and that's why the micro self compassion is one of my favorite. Micro self compassion is where you don't have to have a half hour, like you said, or go on a week long retreat. It's, It's when you notice the harsh talk, even for a moment, you counter it with a compassionate message. And, uh, and so I'm often saying, Vivek, you're all right. Just, I have little simple ones. Vivek, you're all right. You're really trying hard. You're all right. You're not a bad person. Sometimes it's just you're not a bad person, Vivek. Like, rather, it's, not even going, it's not even going into the positive yet. Sometimes I can't drag myself into the positive. And I just counter the negative. I'm like, you're not a bad person, Vivek. You're not bad. Even though you hurt that person, even though you made that mistake, you're not a bad person. You know, I just need to, to remind myself of that. But sometimes it's like, Vivek, you, you, sometimes I'm like, Vivek, you're you're really trying hard and you, you devote your life to helping people. You, 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 sure, yes, you screwed up, that, up royally in that one, but it's okay, you know, it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. And I'll give myself like many ones, but the idea of the micro is it's one or two sentences and then you move on, you don't get absorbed in it, right? So micro self-compassion is really powerful because if we start to watch our minds for that, that painful self-talk, it can, it can, we can notice so many more that we don't even notice throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Now I want to just I wanna just mention that countering it with self-compassion is one part of working it through. It's not the whole thing, because otherwise we get into repression and spiritual bypassing and positivity where we don't want to look at it. And I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about recreating new patterns in our mind for how we talk to ourselves. New patterns it's the imposed versus chose. So much of the patterns in my mind and how I talk to myself and how I feel about myself were imposed by my coercive and you know violent traumatic upbringing and all the things throughout my life. So I want to shift that to, to chose from imposed chose. I want to talk to myself with compassion and, and love and kindness and understanding. I, as, I, one of my acronyms is FECK, F-E-C-K, and I say go FECK yourself. And, uh, and it stands for forgiveness, empathy, compassion, and kindness. And uh, so all the parents I work with, they always always say, I fecked myself yesterday, Vivek, or if someone else is coming down, they'll say, they're like, go feck you, go feck yourself. (laughs) Or or they're like, feck me, I have to feck myself. And so like, uh, you know, bringing humor into it can really help too. So, but like the micro feck is really, uh, really good.
0: Another Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. In terms of these these, uh, self-compassion micro practices, what I heard you share is stuff Specifically around self talk, and I just was curious if there was other aspect embodied practices or anything else, or is it mostly your focus tends around the self compassion is the self talk piece, or are there other aspects to that?
1: No, you're yeah. Thank you. The, uh, The self the micro self compassion is largely talk. Um, I think that often, often you can offer a physical component like a hug or a, or a hold or a squeeze or I uh-huh. do, uh-huh. you know, like there's different physical things you can do. Um, but the micro self compassion, the way I frame it, is not really so physical. Other than that, um, there are physical aspects uh, to other ones, um, and I, but I like to have uh some delineation between them but i mean if your natural impulse is to include a physical component to any any of these or if it's a physical one and your natural impulse is to include a mental emotional component to them then they're all yours to play with however it makes sense Mm -hmm. right these aren't fixed in stone by any means but interestingly enough the next one is the micro check-in with your body and this is where um it's more body centered uh, which connects to the micro feel your feelings so the first one is check in with your body. How is my body feeling, right? Like, and micro check-ins means we get used to asking our body how it feels, tuning into our body how it feels. Because a lot of the time, through a busy day, you're cleaning up, uh, you know, cleaning up poop or or you know, dealing with conflicts or managing emotions, and then and then food and and money and like you said, the boss uh, or a colleague. You know, you're like there's so much happening. even for embodied people who practice embodied uh things you know on a regular basis dancers martial artists massage therapists whatever we can easily tend to lose sight of all of that easily easily
0: yeah totally
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and the micro practice is another way of building that layer those layers i call it gentle consistency where it's consistent but it's gentle it's not like got this failure thing because you have to do it all the time and if you don't do it for two days then you're a failure 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 because you're not doing it but the Mm micro practices allow us different things so one of my uh typical way to do a check-in with your body is just before i get up off the couch i spend a lot of time writing articles and making videos for my parenting work which you can find by the way at meaningful ideas all my social media has meaningful ideas uh youtube facebook instagram and twitter and um and so, and I, I mean, I have I have hundreds of videos and articles that I've made. So I spent a lot of time on the couch. So when I get off the couch, I try and do it very intentionally. I take that moment. And just before I get off the couch, I'm like, does my body want to go this way or that way? Does it want to go gently or do I want to flip? Because I flip off the back of my couch a lot of the time. I even put a video on Facebook about it. And so, but sometimes my body doesn't want that, right? So like just getting off the couch, I, I tune in. And I'm like, what do you want? How are you feeling ah, okay gentle today so I slither off or ooh, exciting so I go backwards uh, upside down
0: uh, ah. and,
1: and fall on the floor right just like that moment of honoring my body's wisdom my body's intelligence yeah. and then I when I when I'm when when I'm uh, checking in with your body when I make any kind of transition so if I'm going into like my, my wife is working in uh, the office at the back of the apartment right now every time I go see her when I'm conscious of it I check in with my body. Am I holding tension? Um, how, how am I making this transition? What am I feeling? And then if I notice things that I am feeling that I want to shift, then mm. I do, a, then I do a micro release or uh, combined with a micro feel your feelings. So a micro release. And I think I talked about that earlier is where you can do a shake, yeah. you can do a squeeze. Um, one of mine is that I, and I, this is from when I was young and this is, uh, of I guess my sensory whatever is I'll actually bite myself I'll bite my hand like this and it just like it feels so good and releases this thing different mm-hmm. people have different ways they they do things you know um one of the parents I work with like makes a, a really tight fist and squeezes her face up one of them runs around the apartment uh, as soon as they notice it they mm-hmm. start running but there's so many different ways that we can do things that don't really require any training of any kind it's just the way our, our body wants to move you know and so uh th- those three together are are really um uh powerful is to check in with your body and to feel the feelings and i and this is where it's a physical thing not just like where do you feel it and what does it feel like you know and actually <laughs> feeling it and then really and then how does your body want to move from that the micro uh, release you know it could be a it could be a, a spontaneous uh, uh, interpretive dance <laughs> it could be it could be any number of things. It could be crawling uh, falling onto the floor into a, a fetus position and just holding yourself. You know, there's so many different ways., yeah. But the fact that they're micro means you do it for a moment, you center and you move on. And then later in the day you do it again, and tomorrow you do it again. And then after a while, what happens is, um we build these patterns, you know? And uh, and our minds can build our minds and bodies build patterns fairly well once we put attention on it, you know, and there's three there's three main ways that we build patterns um, and they are uh, repetition, concentration and emotionalization and uh, whether it's physical, emotional, mental those three uh, are the ways that things get impressed into our systems and so working with that consciously and in a micro way with gentle consistency because we love ourselves and we, we know that it's it's helpful for ourselves and for our kids it's a whole thing this is why I work with parents every week because it's not just yeah. it's not an easy thing it's an ongoing uh, process
0: Well because the patterns that we already have were reinforced by years right so all the unconscious patterns we have so, that's what I love, and that's what I think is so critical in this work that we do. You know, it can be beautiful to go and do a retreat, and that's not shifting the pattern in our day to day, which is where we really want to shift it, where we really want to be able to have that awareness so that we can bring it to our parenting, we can bring it to our work, we can bring it to our families, we bring it to our communities, of whatever matters to us. And that means having shifting those patterns or having the patterns we want to have, um, the, the chose. Yeah, the, toes, yeah, the toes. toes, patterns, and so I love, I love your the all your micro practices, and I've, I've, I've loved talking to you today, and I know that you have so much wisdom, and we could talk for a really long time, and so I want to give, and I want to be able to wrap up somewhat soon, so I'd love sure. to make sure that you have an opportunity to share with our audience where they can find. Your work you know all your articles and videos i know you mentioned meaningful ideas and i think you might have some other spaces online yes. or maybe maybe yes. not And so just making sure that, you know, people can find you and find more about your philosophy, find more about your practices, find out how to work with you. Um, There's so much, so much that you have out there. And in addition to that, if there's anything, you know, where we've, you know, gone dance to together in this conversation today, if there's anything, maybe checking in with your body now, if there's Mm, anything mm. that feels important to to say right now
1: yeah there is thank you Um, just before we came on this call together I reached out to my kiddo who like I said before is almost 25 and I asked them what do you remember about our training and our embodiment practice and there are two things that they remembered that I wanted to share because they just stood out so clearly for them and so one is uh, the first thing she said was when you taught me how to walk and I was like, wow, you remember that? She said, yeah, I still remember that you were telling me most people when they walk, they're slamming their whole body weight into their heel on every step because they're falling onto their feet. But if we uh, merge more with gravity and we place our foot and we transfer our weight, we don't have that impact and we have more control and more smoothness. She said, I still remember that. I don't know how young I was when you told me that. And I completely, uh, I completely changed the way I walk and I'm so much more aware of my movement from then and I said what else and she said you know the other thing was sticky hands and so there's this as a martial artist there's this um, kung, fu, kung fu game that we kind of adapted for ourselves called sticky hands and it was this game where the way we play it is you you uh, you touch uh, wrist to wrist and then you kind of flow around each other like this and you try and touch each other's shoulder And um, and so I'm trying to touch her shoulder she's trying to touch my shoulder and then uh, but the key to it is you don't use any force so as soon as you feel any kind of force you have to relax and just flow so it's all about positioning and flow and psychology and tuning is very much contact improv and uh, and so uh, but we've played that game from the moment that she could understand even very ba- vaguely understand it And uh, but I mean, I've been I've been doing martial arts for years and I played this uh, these kind of things with many high level martial artists. so I'm really good at it. So I was always, always able to beat her. I didn't always beat her, but I was always able to beat her until a month ago when I said, hey, kiddo, it's been a couple of years, a few years since we played sticky hands. We should play together. And she was like, all right. All right. And we played and we were genuinely evenly matched neither of us could touch each other and i was re- and i kept upping and upping how hard i was trying until we were both going at it full speed with no for and we were both like we were laughing and we were like yelling in celebration And it was this amazing moment between the two of us and we stopped and we were like whoa <laughs> and it was this but but you know like it wasn't just that moment it was the years of our of our exploring that the the joy in it, the joy of our relationship was all kind of like coming out in that moment, you know? And one of the reasons that I teach the stuff that I do the intellectual, the emotional, the philosophical and the physical, all of it, one and the environmental and the systems in the home and how to collaborate with your kids and how not to use force and stay, have that connection is because the deep relationship that's formed and the way that the stability, when I say stable, it's just, I always say it's stable, sustainable and resilient it's stable because uh, and it's stable sustainable and resilient because you can go through challenges in life and the relationship always is is maintained and that's what it's about for me and then you have these beautiful glorious times even when your kid is is 25 we're going to montreal uh next weekend together just because she wants to spend time with me at 25 that's not very common you know to take your dad out go away for the weekend from montreal so if you want to learn those kind of skills and principles, please do follow me my Facebook page is where I do most of the writing it's meaningful ideas. Um, I tweeting a lot these days and I tweet mostly for short, like you know just one or two sentences when I have uh, one liners come to me. Also meaningful ideas also on Instagram where my big claim to fame is that Alanis Morissette uh, uh, shared one of my parenting sayings once and uh and youtube i I've, I've got i've got almost 100 videos now on youtube really helpful stuff i try and put out a lot of really f- helpful free information to help parents because helpful information to help parents so because, because uh because i know how hard it is to parent it's hard to parent anyways and to parent consciously is like so much harder and i just want to give as much support as possible if you'd like to work with me personally you can join my membership group for a subscription people pay a monthly uh, fee and my uh, business partner and colleague Sujay johnston and i uh, do weekly coaching calls and i go live with topics like this every single thursday and we do group coaching calls where you can ask questions on a weekly basis and we have a whole bunch of those and it's a really supportive community and you can find us at gentleparentsunite.com which is the paid part of the free group which is gentle parents unite which is my other facebook group that has over ninety-five thousand people now it's a big big group and uh and um so you can join us over there as well so that's it meaningful ideas and gentle parents unite and my name is Vivek patel and twyla i am so happy we had this chance to to connect again and and do this um i've uh, our relationship has grown and deepened over the years and uh, i loved Always love dancing with you because um, there's always a deep listening and sensitivity when we dance together, and uh, and I appreciate mm. that about you.
0: Hmm. I'll take that in now. Notice yeah. <laughs> the thinking that comes up in in yeah. response, and yeah. and really appreciating it. Really appreciating having this conversation today, and as I said, you taking time, you know, with all the work that you're doing to to share um, on this show. And, yeah. so great.
1: It's my pleasure. And I look forward to sharing it around. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you. So that's the end of this SoMING episode. I really hope that you got something from this conversation that can make a difference in your life. If you like this podcast, please follow us and share with others. And if you're looking for some individualized support to help you connect to your body in the ways that support what matters to you i offer individualized and group coaching opportunities and you can head over to my website somaing.ca and sign up for a free consult and find out if it's a good fit for you and stay tuned for our next episode of somaing and remember until then You can Soma anytime and anywhere.